I started looking at the word variant just to see what might jump out at me from it. Variant, uh-huh. Well, you know, there's similar words are variable, variation, variance. It goes variant, which according to my Webster's, which is <clears throat> came out before the latest population numbers, <laughs> varying differently in some way from others of the same kind or class or from some standard or type. Variable, changeable. Anything that is variant has a different spelling of a word, different version of a tale, myth, or literary passage, or certainly a different version of the COVID virus. Yes. Change, process, process of varying, change or deviation in form, condition, appearance, from a former or usual state or from an assumed standard. So I'm just sort of sitting here thinking that, uh, you know, we have a, a variant of this virus is uh, just indicative of, in the world of viruses, that nothing stays the same. Mm -hmm. Things are always changing. And that the assumption that the virus is of any particular kind is very dangerous because the assumption doesn't hold up in, in the case of the life of the virus itself, which is constantly changing. Right, so there's a sense that you, we need to approach this as a life form that adapts. Yes, we need to approach it as basically elusive at any moment. The adaptive life form, you know, we make an assumption about it that the nature of the coronavirus, and then we work for days, months, years on trying to undo or render ineffectual that which we have assumed about this coronavirus, only to find that it's no longer that again, and that the virus is basically eludes our control, at least temporarily, until we can ourselves, so we are forced to adapt, forced to adapt our methods, our approach, adapt our assumptions, and force our thinking or our consciousness to change, and li literally live with a constantly changing consciousness about the virus if we ever hope to have any sense of control. Because you can't control if you sort of stay still or stay in one position with this virus. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of that... Um saying that we have, I think it's an advanced seminar where we talk about um, there are certain phases of consciousness where you have, you know, the idea or the state of a consciousness of being totally subjective. Ah, uh, yeah. And then at some point you get to the state where you, you are objectively aware of your subjectivity. Right. And so right. it's this sense of, like, accepting that there is this thing, well, of course, subjectivity is, is constantly variable. That's the thing about subjectivity. So in the same yeah. way, this, this virus kind of presents the same kind of, same kind of challenge where you need to be objectively aware of the subjectivity or the variability of the thing you're dealing with. Exactly. When you become objectively aware of your subjectivity, then you don't get trapped by your subjectivity. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just thinking if we stretch this a little bit to, um, about if we're talking about the virus and its variability, then um, how would we, I mean, I'm, and this is kind of like a query about how, what kind of analog would we make with this? So it's like, uh, what does this say about our consciousness or about our state of mind today? It says that there's this, you know, humans really believe that we control the universe, and this thing is coming along and it's saying, um, hello, you know, you don't control the universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
And so in, the, in a sense, what's being called for here in terms of a state of mind is humility and a willingness to take what comes on its own terms. Yes, because the universe as a sor- as source of everything is in a sense controlling everything. And so it, it has its own bookkeeping system, has its own accounting system, one that is that we don't we can't even really pretend to understand, let alone control. But if we allow that the constantly changing universe going through whatever controls it needs to go through in terms of evolution of consciousness or whatever, if we can understand that we are an integral aspect of that, that is not outside of us, mm-hmm. then we can, in fact, have an attitude, a frame of mind that will deal with whatever, as you say, is coming to us, whatever is coming to us next out of this thing. But we certainly can't keep it at arm's length which God knows is a well-tried and oft-failed approach to dealing with viruses, <laughs> trying to keep them at arm's length, <laughs> or test tube's length, or whichever way we want to say that. So variant, that's unexpected surprise. It's something that changed from what you thought it was. Uh-huh. That certainly like characterizes the whole year in terms of our own expectation. What do you think this kind of challenge is calling forth? Let me go back to the man's history in five parts that you mentioned earlier, which comes out of, I guess, uh, Hurd's writings. Yeah, Gerald Hurd. Gerald Hurd. He talks about the five ages of man. The creature of the spoken tradition is part one of man's history. The being of protest against tradition is man's history. And second part, third part, a persona of self-blame and self-condemnation. And then fourth part of man's history, individual awareness of objectivity. And then individual awareness of his subjectivity that constructs his environment. Uh-huh. Man must become objectively aware of his subjectivity, which corresponds to the five parts of a human individual's history, beginning in infancy through childhood, adolescence, first maturity, and second maturity. Wow. So what we're being called for is certainly to operate at, one, the individual awareness of our own subjectivity that's creating this situation. Now, I don't mean that in the sense of linear cause and effect. Somehow we're, as Christian tradition would have us, Somehow, our internal banana peel, we've lifted our foot off of it for just a moment, which just slams our foot back on it so we can slip again and condemn ourselves to go back to stage three. But rather to see that the individual awareness of the subjectivity that constructs environment. So I don't want to oversimplify it, but in a way, the hard confrontation is seeing our virus. We're being called upon to see and understand the virus that we are. Do I understand you to say that the uh, the virus that we are in the sense that we ourselves continue to have variations that resist being treated, or I'm not sure I get you? Yeah, I'm just thinking, just kind of looking at in broad strokes what we kind of what we believe we understand sort of about viruses, and that is one, it's it's living off of something else. It's looking for a host to live off of, and it inserts its consciousness into the host so that the host, if it survives recreates the virus so they can go populate some other place, sort of colonial in a way. Yeah. So that's one of the things we generally kind of understand about the way viruses work. What might we come to have to see about ourselves if we look at that aspect of our consciousness as always seeking a host, something we can take over and with our consciousness perpetuate our subjectivity, possibly at the cost of the host or not, but What are we living off of? What are we invading for our own purposes? 
Yeah, and I would then just make a reference back to our two weeks ago conversation about exploitation. Ah, right. Because that, that's what a virus does. That's what a cancer does, too. Yeah, two of the biggest issues humans have to deal with in their sort of current state of affairs or the current environment that if we become aware of, our, of the subjectivity that's constructing an environment that seems to be replete with virus and cancer. You might say that virus itself is a variant of cancer or vice versa. Uh -huh. So the variance is calling upon us, I think, to certainly to understand, stand back and be objectively aware of our subjectivity, our relationship with the universe and where it's out of sync and how do we get it back in sync. I'm probably skittering around the edge of some sort of fundamentalist Christian idea about messing with God or something like that, but that's not what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough thing to get your hands around this. And when you say universe, um, people uh, bring to it every kind of possible interpretation. Right. So, so it's tough. But uh, but universe, I mean, even in, in its very scientific sense, works if you if you get to it. If we can understand arriving at awareness of our subjectivity that constructs environment, then we have the ability as a consciousness that the universe is, in fact, we are and have the consciousness that can achieve an evolution of a kind of self that isn't a virus and isn't a cancer, but rather is a source of real growth. Yeah, genuine growth. Genuine growth, genuine evolution, constantly emerging good in terms of life, in terms of all of the qualities that total life has about it. Happiness, love, certainly love. Yeah. Health. It's attributes like health, yeah. So yeah, I think it bears repeating that the consciousness that we are also is a product of the universe. It is also an artifact of the universe, if you want to call it that. Yeah, yeah. We're not separated from it. And as we I think we've said plenty of times as we've talked this over over the past year, uh, we are not separated. If we look at things from the point of view of consciousness, we're not separated from this thing that we're calling the virus. And right. um, if we look at it from that point, when we have to understand that consciousness has uh, delivered us with this challenge, uh, which is um, something that is threatening, apparently, and also uh, has delivered us the consciousness that is capable of meeting that challenge. I remember this wonderful line from um, Inherit the Wind. That's the stage play that talked about the trial, the Scopes Monkey trial. Scopes Monkey trial, yeah. Clarence Darrow and William Jennings Bryant. Right. Anyway, as part of the exposition in the first act, to try and give you a sense of where you were, and I, th I think it was Kentucky. Anyway, somebody comments on how hot it is, and this uh, yeah. lady who is part of the town says, God gov us the heat, and God gov us the glands to sweat with. <laughs> Which is silly, of course, but it, I do get the sense that or I want to just come back to the point that we've made already about how we're not separated from the experience of all of this. And the, this new wrinkle of challenging with variations, it's like adding another layer of complexity. And it seems to me that we're going to be getting an incredible benefit from this in terms of, first of all, complex consciousness to understand it, and then also uh -huh. complex new technologies that will be able to help us in many, many ways that are not even related to the virus that we're dealing with now. Yeah. 
So that sort of rings of another part of the conversation that we might look at in a new way, and that is that we're being called out of a certain plateau we've reached in terms of how we decide what is controllable and what isn't, and it's lifting us to a whole different different level, different plateau, saying that the real control is the constant evolution of our own creativity. Uh-huh. Yeah. That which animates our consciousness also is animating the virus, and we are constantly evolving, and as a result of this evolution, that the virus is saying, here's what must happen. We look at the world differently. Even the first go-round with COVID-19 here, and the lockdown showed us a whole way of living that we hadn't been practicing. We talk about wanting to get back to normal, but we also realize at the same time, not only will we not get back to normal, but we shouldn't want to. Because the answer isn't in going back to normal. The answer is in completely elevating what normal is through technology. Right. Through a constant growing awareness of our subjectivity and how it's creating all this, because therein that consciousness whether it's being interpreted one way or another, is a consciousness that's at the heart of the evolution of, of the universe, and so it's at the heart of our evolution. And I sort of take to heart some of the comments made by various scientists and health specialists and virus specialists who say that the COVID will be with us for years to come. And I think that what COVID represents in terms of its challenges to us will be with us forever. We may have stepped into a challenge here that shows us how we really are going to make it in the long run. As a species, it's not stuck at a certain plateau, a certain level of self-importance that sort of arrogantly wants to see the little virus raise its creative head in front of our current dialogue, and we want to up and stomp the bejesus out of it. (laughs) We're, We're not going to get away with that. And it's showing us that. It's showing us that we can save ourselves by the constant growth of creativity through tech through awareness, through exchange. It's interesting that with all of the divisiveness that we here in the United States have experienced over the last handful of years because of the the necessity of getting caught up more deeply physically and emotionally in our societal structure here, our political and societal structure, that uh, the divisiveness that we've gotten caught up in has been sort of offset at the same time by the the unity and maybe balanced out by the unity that the pandemic has forced upon us. I really think that the virus represents then in a way an answering kind of experience to a deep-seated, as we know from the news that we've lived with for the last several years, a deep-seated idea of separation between us, divisiveness between us. And I don't think we step right out of the woods all clean and neat at the end of the conversation today. <laughs> There's something in the virus that represents a way out for the human species, and we need to treat it with proper thought and also urgency. Yeah. And we may not want to make a big deal about it here, but I think I sent you a link to Richard Tarnas's talk on 2021. Yeah, I just haven't had a chance to listen to it today, but it's um... it, it's it's an investment of time. It's like an hour and 50 minutes long. The first hour of it was very much kind of what we've talked about with Saturn Square, yeah. uh, Uranus throughout 2021 and the ongoing explosive, confrontive kinds of things we should expect in the affairs of men. So you could probably fast forward to the last 40 minutes of the talk and just listen to that part. But it touched me in a way that I'm still feeling, actually, from having listened to it. And I want to listen to it again sometime. 
Well, he's a brilliant mind, uh, and I'll just put a link in the uh, show notes because it gives that that really gives a perspective of things in a um, a more abstract sense uh-huh. in term in terms of maybe cosmic timing, we might say. Yes. Yes. One thing that I would like to kind of remember or remind, that was said a few minutes ago that I want to expand a little bit or at least bring draw attention to it is this idea that there's an evolution of consciousness, which is absolutely true, and then we see that in terms of a growing technology, which the technology itself in a way is like a cancer here too that needs to be dealt with. Right. But, you know, even more than that, I see the evolution of consciousness operating here also as more and more understanding the stories that each of us brings to our lives and to our life personally in, a, in such a way that there can be a sense of unity again among people who come from entirely different modes of living even. And the, the yeah. consciousness that can do that, I think, absolutely has to be developed. It's like a muscle that you train. It, it doesn't just happen. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, and so you have to practice the exercise of consciousness that brings you in touch with everyone at a, at a very deep level and a very far-reaching level at the same time. So in answer to your original question of what is the virus asking of us, I think you just described it. 